Welcome to Geeks and Jacks Podcast. Welcome everyone back to Geeks and Jacks. This is Ryan Sullivan and we are at episode 30. Year and a half in, 30 episodes. Hope you listeners are enjoying the early days of March now. As we approach a few weeks from spring and the weekend away from having daylight savings. Feels really, really early compared to years past, if you want my opinion on it. But, I digress. Let's get into the episode. Definitely a lot to discuss. Definitely a lot to look at with the uh, re-releases of Sega CD games, the collective bargaining agreement of the NFL, some shocking cancellations of some TV shows, and much more here for this episode of Geeks and Jocks. And one one thing I'll get into to begin is something I usually don't talk about, and that is politics, because it's usually a freaking circus. And it's become an even bigger circus in the last couple of months on account of impeachment in January and now of all the Democratic nominations and all the people wanting to get their chance to become president. And it it's basically like watching watching like a big fight in school. Because it's like you have people like Warren and Sanders and Bloomberg and Biden, it's like they're all going at each other's throats. It just, it's like you don't know who's going to be the big candidate. And uh, I believe Biden won South Carolina, despite Sanders winning a handful of states, I believe. And (laughs) I'm curious to see where this goes because I, I don't know, I don't think any one of them has any um, any real chance of beating Trump if it just seems like there's just too much baggage I mean Trump has baggage too but it's like the amount of baggage all of them have it's like who has the less baggage and honestly I'm not sure if anyone would want to take a chance on Sanders or even Biden for that matter not, no candidate for the Democratic side looks good to be president not to mention if someone like Biden were to be president, I mean, or Sanders, like, what's the chance of them passing away in office because of old age? I mean, even Trump, I, I, would, I would argue even Trump as well, passing away from old age. They're all, like, in their 70s. And then again, we've seen presidents like like Reagan last that long and they until their late 70s after their presidency ended. So who knows? Uh, November will be interesting, to say the least. <laughs> As well as, you know, hearing all the stuff about the coronavirus. I mean, just... The thing I'll say is just just protect yourself. Have a lot of sanitizer. Wash your hands constantly. Make sure the food you're eating is prepped well. It's not contaminated or any of that kind of stuff. And I would be cautious about going to, like, any restaurants or any places that might be serving food. Just, just be cautious. That's all I'm going to have to say on that. Just... If you're cautious, you'll be fine. Especially as this virus is spreading all around the world. A couple cases in America already with with a man in his 70s being the latest casualty, unfortunately. 
and tons of you know positive IDs of people con- contracting it in uh, in like Germany, Italy, Iran, and just many other places. Uh, hopefully, it's like any of the other viral stuff that has occurred, like Ebola and SARS, and just they find a cure for all this, and hopefully it stops spreading. I'm hearing, I read something that there might be a cure, but and that that's definitely a good thing, but probably play devil's advocate, it's probably going to cost a lot of money, unfortunately. That's the unfortunate side of capitalism. <laughs> so, yeah. So going on to television, uh, there's some shows up. I mean, we're around that period now where you wonder what is on the chopping block for getting canceled, what shows are going to end for good on their own terms, and which ones are staying. And one of the big shocking ones in recent memory is CBS canning Hawaii Five O and a series finale ending in April at the start of the month which it's lasted 10 years from the fall of 2010 through uh, through now and, the, and that's pretty good for a remake and the re- the original lasted a good 12 years from 1968 through 1980 that's, that's very telling I mean just people enjoyed the modern take of crime in Hawaii. I mean, it's, you know, it's an interesting locale and it's not your typical crime show at points. That's, that's what my guess would be. And it's a show that has done really well for Friday nights, which, you know, there's, there's this idea that Friday nights are usually the worst nights to have TV shows. I'd argue Saturday nights, I would argue Saturday nights just because a lot more people are interested in doing things outside of home and you're not really going to draw much audiences. I mean, there's probably some shows that have done really well on Saturdays, but I always feel like Friday nights you can at least still get an audience because there's still people that hang around on at home during that night and then their weekend truly begins on Saturdays and they'll do whatever they want for the Saturdays. And to lesser extent, Sundays. Um, there's been successful TV shows on Friday nights. It just depends on how much people are still gauged in watching the show. You know, and if a lot of people were into Hawaii Five O. And the reason why, I mean, so there's specific reasons why a TV show can get canceled, and for specific reasons, you know, you might have, okay, it's ending on its own terms, I mean, that's the case for a number of shows, uh, obviously, if you're not doing well enough, obviously, you're going to get canned, whether it's within your first year, or first couple of years, or even if you're doing quite well, there might be, like, a monetary issue, or it's, there's not enough justification for, you know, maybe poor viewership, despite doing well critically, I mean, Lots of shows vary in their uh, criti- critical and commercial status. Uh, there might be personal reasons, which I think is the reason one of the reasons why Five O is ending, because one of the actors 
I'm not sure if it was an injury from the beginning of, of the show or maybe in the last few years, but when you're when you're doing stuff as an actor, even if if you know getting hurt, I mean, and if you can get through the pain, fine. But if it hurts your chances of doing well in your performance of a show, then obviously it's going to hurt hurt the program overall. And I believe it was the main lead that I think it's the character, the guy that plays the character Steve. And obviously, you lose a you lose a main character. I mean, your show kind of kind of could go down the toilet if because it won't be because it won't be the same. And you know, there's certain TV shows over the years where they'll change the change the cast overall, and you know, it's not always it's not always pretty, and it's a lot harder for say a comedy. But you could have a specific set of people for a drama, and maybe still have some retaining people that still made the show good, and you know can still can still make the show worth watching and all that. So, and probably it's like a the way it sounds like with Five O, it's like a tightly knit family in a way, and it'd be a shame if you lose the reason why people tune into the show in the first place. And, I mean, obviously 10 years is still an accomplishment. 10 seasons on the air. That I mean, that's that's nice. It's very nice. I think people are bummed that some of these shows are ending. And, you know, like CBS is getting rid of Criminal Minds as well. And that's, I mean, it's like you have these shows that last 10 plus years. They've done their job entertaining you. Maybe some of these people want to move on to other stuff. Maybe they have other reasons for not wanting to do the show forever. Not every show lasts forever. And I would say on average, you're looking for any show to last between 6 to 11 years. And anything better, I mean, that's good for them, I guess. I mean, there's... I mean, there's some shows that you know, don't have the fortune of of having the kind of audience that, you know, a show like Five O has. They just don't. And there's other there's other shows right now that there's a lot now for like NBC, CBS, ABC and Fox. They're all they're still looking to see what is going on and to see whether to bring back a number of these shows I mean they got a few obvious ones that are getting renewed I mean Fox is still going to have The Simpsons they're still going to have Family Guy they're still wondering about Bob's Burgers a little bit maybe that show might go off the air or something like that or say NBC obviously they're comfortable with Law and Order and maybe some Chicago shows but what about some of their other programming how are they are they still comfortable with This Is Us I believe they still are. I mean, the show has been that popular for that for the last four or five years. Obviously, it's going to be coming back for a couple more years. Or what about something like, say, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Could that show be coming back after being canned on Fox? You know, after kind of poor ratings despite all the awards and stuff? 
or how about or how about ABC? What kind of shows are they going to put in place of Modern Family, which is ending this year? That's actually kind of a show I kind of regret not seeing after the first season because I because seeing some of that stuff it's pretty funny. But you know that's that's another case. It you know ten years is good. Ten years on the air is very very good. Actually, 11 years to be exact. I forgot it's an 09 show. But as far as like, I think the only one that network that's like comfortable with bringing back all their shows, or at least most of them, is CW. And that's because they're bringing back uh, pretty much all most of their comic book stuff. I think one or two of them are done. They're pretty much finished with Supernatural whenever that finishes up. Um, in the next month or so, I mean, 15 years of that show. That's and that's a that's a that's a huge accomplishment, considering most of their shows didn't never last that long. Although I think a few of them are are reaching 10 years, but I think one thing also thinking you know stuff like Law and Order and Supernatural and stuff like that it's like would people keep watching the same episodes over and over rinse and repeat just with a different coat of paint and I think that's one other thing as well with some of these other shows like how many more times can you watch a crime in Hawaii and just and feel like okay I'm burnt out on it or let's delve into this let's delve into what this criminal is like you know eventually people do get tired out I'm not saying it's complete burnout for the entire audience but eventually the writing can be on the wall for for this kind of stuff and you know it is what it is and say what you will I mean just to end on a good note instead of and ha- have get to maximize your audience instead of withering for a few more years and then maybe not have 20% of the audience you lost because you decided to keep going on and on for a couple more seasons I mean depends on the show it really depends on on the show and with that how many more times can you get hit by a pitcher? That's that's going to be the story of the year for the Houston Astros. The story that refuses to die. It just it's it really is becoming kind of a dangerous thing now, especially as we look at the fact that as recently as this past weekend there was at least seven hit batsmen of the Astros. And that is not a good situation for the team, considering the lack of punishments is really bothering a lot of the a lot of the pitchers. And the fact that fans are getting kind of restless is showing. And I'm not sure if I would call this next group "quote unquote" fans for wishing to rape their wives and girlfriends, uh, kill them, or hope any of the ball players that have kids get cancer and all that and that's just that's just that's just 
sickening beyond belief. You're not, that's not a real fan. You know, a real fan will criticize the team, but not go to that length. And the fact that fans are put, putting up signs and stuff about the cheating and all that, and really the way the Astros have reacted has not been good. And it's it just shows how bad they have handled each situation since since the sign-stealing scandal began back in November. And I can't fault Dusty Baker for wanting to protect his players. I can't. He has a job to do, and even if it's damage control, he has to make sure that nothing bad happens. That's, That's his duty right now. And hopefully his old school style of managing can can help out with the newer play with with these new generation of players and the some of the newer vets of the team the fact that they're also looking to add extra security i mean that's not a huge surprise i mean beyond houston i mean there's going to be a lot of fans that will want to put their head on a plate and hope for the pitchers of the opposing teams to break their legs or maybe be out for like half a year or something like that, half a season. Because even one little injury, you know, just even if it's for a few months, it can derail a season possibly. You know, you want that one player that you know is going to come in at the right moments and give you those big wins. And for that, I mean, there's going to be a lot. The one thing I would also say before I get back to that, the, if I'm a family member of an Astro player, I would avoid I would avoid a lot of things. I would avoid a lot of social media. I would avoid going to the ball games. I mean, nothing against, nothing against them wanting to go there, but I would rather be protected and be home instead of possibly getting hurt and maybe... If, and if they have kids, if they have a child with them, I would not want the kid to be subject of ridicule. And that's one thing that's that's always kind of... It's like when you try and throw a, a ball player's kid in, it's it just... It's dumb. It's like the Daniel Hudson, who took time off during the playoffs to be there for his firstborn child. It's like... These guys are human. I'm sorry, baseball is more important to you than than fucking childbirth. Cut me a break. Uh, you know, in the ridicule that Bryce Harper's son has gotten. I mean, this is a like right when right around when he was born, about what like six months ago. It's like like that's that's low. I mean, if you don't like Harper, fine. I'm not the hugest fan of him either, but. Don't go after his kid. Don't go after his wife because they had a, they just had a kid. That's just it's dumb. It's just freaking dumb. You know, I I I I don't have a lot of respect for the Astros, but if, you know, like, but I would be protecting themselves quite a bit throughout the season. And if they cheat again this year, if there's a report, it's like. Anything involving the Astros, I mean, you know, it's all for naught, and I would argue that a lot of them, even if for 
as good a player as, you know, like Bregman and Altuve, their careers would be potentially derailed. They could still be playing for a long time, but it's still, it would leave an ugly, ugly picture for them. Especially as spring training continues to go on, and it's just, hopefully there's, hopefully there's some stuff to handle the rise of technology and all that, and personally for me, with technology, they should just keep it away from the players. Put it in a spot where they can't go there. Ban players from going into them during the during a live broadcast. Just treat it like treat it like an NFL game. Like review the film before the game. Review it before the game. Study the study the pitchers. Study the fielders. And if there's something you think you can expose from reviewing the film, take it. Use it to your advantage. It's either they embrace the technology or don't use it. One or the other. Just they need to make that decision and set it up for, for the future that so that no one so that there's no more controversy like this. That that's really there's not much else really with baseball. It's just you see injuries to some of these people, the the virus, you know, quarantining a couple of these uh players, especially the, a Taiwanese player for the Red Sox, um, you know, s- some players starting the season on the IL, like Chris Sale, and it wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Judge winds up on the IL to begin the year, along with Giancarlo Stanton. There's a lot of stuff that, probably in a couple of weeks, I'll f- I would like to look at the rosters and see who has the best chance of winning the divisions in each league. I do think for Houston as a whole, I think they still have the stuff to be a divisional winner, but I think Oakland could get in their way this year. That's just my thought, though. Stepping away from from the baseball diamond onto, onto the courts of basketball, about a month away from the playoffs, and it's certainly going to be a nice year to where you're not going to see the Warriors in it. I mean, it's nice to see them win some championships, but I think the possibility of of say the Rockets or the Lakers getting into the finals for representing the Western Conference. I mean, <coughs> I mean the way the Lakers have played so far this year, I'm, I thought they'd be just a decent team that would make the postseason. I kind of thought the Clippers would be the leading group of the bunch, and the Clippers are having a fantastic year, especially with their additions of guys like Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard, the MVP last year for the finals. Just You know, they're playing while Doc Rivers... Really, since Doc Rivers took over, I mean, the team has been very good. And really, the I heard from reading something earlier... Like since Steve Ballmer took over as the owner of the Clippers, the team is a is a hot commodity, and the team overall, they it's it's a likable place. It's a place people want to play for. It's a place that that there's a good atmosphere and provide a decent service to compete with the best of their division, and I. I'd kill to see a good 
divisional rival playoff series between the Lakers and Clippers. Think about it. There's no real home field advantage. You got arguably some really good players in George and Leonard competing against Anthony Davis and LeBron James. It could be the mecca for high score for a high scoring series. And really the ultimate test to see if Leonard has has the capability to win a championship with a third team. I, I you can't you can't you can't make that stuff up. I think I think he could win a third championship. I think he could with a third team. He did it with San Antonio I think it was like six years ago. And did it last year with the Raptors. Who knows? I, I've never seen the Clippers really do that well in their run until the last five, six years. And the Lakers, I mean, it's their best team in seven years. It's just they're just playing fundamentally good basketball right now. It's just the core group of players all together. It's become very good. And the Rockets, I mean, it's it's another year where they're doing really well, but and if this is the year where they can at least make it to the finals, this year is probably their best chance. If if not, I'm not sure if that opportunity will come back with the reemergence of players from the Warriors getting back to being healthy. And, of course, the added competition of the Lakers and Clippers. Utah being a very good team that in recent memory, just with their group of players. It's, I mean, so much with... Uh, Westbrook and Harden now for for the Rockets and Chris Paul and a few others. It's that kind of team that is maybe similar to what you saw with what Mike D'Antoni had with the Phoenix Suns when he coached there, when he had like Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. These guys that can do whatever they can to to play fast break basketball and to be a big scoring team and take advantage of certain weaknesses of the opponents. It just I'm just amazed at at what the kind of success that they've been able to do despite your three big superstars and the potential disagreements on how they should play the game with these with all three on the court. But like I said, this is probably their best chance to win a finals and after that I'm not sure after that. Because of because of all these other teams. In the East, I mean, there's some disappointment in the 76ers. I mean, this was a team that was poised to do pretty well, and they're doing fine. But I think people expected more wins or something. I bet some were expecting 40-plus by now. But, I mean, just health issues. That's the big problem. And that Joel Embiid guy... Good player, but it's just he gets tired out really easily late in the games. I mean, it, just, it feels like he's just trying to put the team on his back, and it's like he's doing whatever he can, and it comes out with mixed results. I th- kind of thought they would be a at least a divisional winner team, or at least a first wild cards team, but I don't know anymore. Really don't know, especially with how good the Celtics are right now with their group of guys and the Raptors still holding on with their 
with their set of veterans and all that. But the but the big thing right now is the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks personally, they this might be their best chance to make the finals. And they still got some years unlike the Warriors and uh and Rockets. There's a it's just you have you have Giannis to leading the way and and at least a good supporting cast around him and just looking at them it's like they're dominating every team and with less than 10 losses this year it's like are they set up to really make their name in the playoffs this year or are they setting themselves up for big disappointment I haven't really seen that much success out of the Bucks in, until recent memory remember a long time ago when they used to have like Ray Allen and all those guys that that was really the last time they were truly good I mean everything's setting up for them to be the Eastern Conference team to go to the finals and maybe win it all I think potentially you're looking. This is these are teams I think would have the biggest chance to make the finals in the East. I think it comes down to either Toronto, Boston, or Milwaukee. In the West, I think it comes down to either the Clippers, Lakers, or Rockets. I'm not sure about Utah. I'm not sure about about one or two other teams, but those are the the potential teams that I could see representing their conferences. And this this year will be the playoffs will be very interesting, and I think it'll be nice to have a different NBA final for the first time in in five years. Actually, it was kind of refreshing a little bit last year, but no Warriors this year. It'll it'll be nice a little bit. Nice to see some other teams get their share of love in the playoffs. And while there is love for for basketball, there isn't much love for the new collective bargaining agreement for the uh, NFL this year. And there's a lot of things going on that, you know, some of the big name players like Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Watt, they're expressing some big displeasure regarding the uh new CBA which is supposed to last for 10 years and there's quite a bit of things to it that uh, there there aren't many details but the few that are shown and been shown to some of these NFL insiders and all that uh, here's what I can dissect from reading uh, reading some articles and seeing some video so what the deal has and the big one is a 17 game season. So I don't I don't believe there will be any bye weeks or any of that sort of stuff, which I'll I'll get into that and I think that's the main reason why people why some of these big name players are kind of angry about this. Uh, not many not much preseason, lowering to maybe a couple games and that's it, not much in training camp. Uh, more revenue for the players by like a percent, percent and a half, if depending on what kind of season it will have, like a 16-game or 17-game season. 
excuse me, uh, I think there's better pensions for uh, former players. The idea of expanding the playoffs to teams to 14 instead of 12. And a couple other things that, you know, I didn't really get enough clarification on from from reading. Not much detail. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, So, I think the big thing is the... uh, 17th game, which I mean, that's that's it's a little more of a issue of how much the health of these players will be, especially if you do 17 straight weeks of football. Because even then, the health of these players should be a a pressing concern. And it's something that I feel like we see more injuries now these days compared to where we were a long time ago. And the idea of battling concussions and all that. I feel like there's been more concussions in the last decade than what I remember back in the 2000s. I almost feel like there's just... I, I get what the NFL's trying to do and try and see if they can make more money out of all this. But it's like, how about how about the health of these players? I mean... Imagine if a guy like Rodgers or Wilson... I mean, Rodgers has had health issues over the last six years. And what happens if he gets hurt in that 17th game? I mean, think about it. Or any big-name player. There would be a lot of issues with how the collective bargaining agreement would be. And it's supposed to be like a 10-year plan and all that. And the idea of a strike could be there, but... I'm not sure. I think I think a lot of people would like most of the stuff in the CBA. But I'm not sure if the 14-team playoff thing, seven for each conference, I'm not sure if that will work. Um, they might relax a little bit on uh, marijuana usage and all that. I mean, some places it is legal, other places not. So it, maybe there might be some relaxing terms and stuff like that and just seems like it's um seems like the big issue would be just the extra game that's what i think because i think there's been a number of people that would want a shorter preseason and obviously more money for the players and all that and more i think there's like more might be an extra hundred grand for the uh for the rookies that come in not much else really i mean there's definitely some spots for some players to go places and it's just a matter of who goes where and if who stays with who and just people shouldn't try playing playing games with the fans just 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 say just have an idea of when you want to make your deal and when to go to a specific team and if you like that team spark interest and if they like you enough, sign a deal. Enough said. You know. I'll tell you this deal though, not just not football, but you're signing into a dangerous sport went with auto racing. And I think that's what a lot of drivers know heading into whether it's a dirt series, a modified series, NASCAR, there's dangers associated with with auto racing. Uh, 
and they know the risks in order to want to win championships and win trophies and all that for for themselves. And a lot has improved so much in the last 19 years since the Daytona 500 death of uh, Dale Earnhardt. And it could have almost happened one day to the 19th anniversary of his death when they had the Monday Daytona 500 uh, a couple weeks ago. So, last lap of the race, uh, and it starts with Denny Hamlin giving a big shove to Ryan Blaney. And he goes into the back bumper, Blaney, of uh, of Ryan Newman, who's leading the race and winning it. And unfortunately, it spins, Newman spins and flips, hits, gets hit by Corey LaJoy, and just huge cause of concern, even after Hamlin winning the race and all that. Huge concern. Because nothing's going on, he's not, he's not talking through the radio or any of that kind of stuff. Just a hard wreck. I don't think it hit the catch fence or anything, but still a huge hit, huge. And a couple days later, out of the hospital, it's just, it's an amazement with how much the sport has improved with making sure that the drivers are safe even though there there are things that could happen such as you know the the better improvements in the head and neck restraints better safety belts just all this stuff that is needed to make sure that that no one has any major injuries or any of that kind of stuff and I don't know what Newman's issues were I haven't really read on what what really happened to him but it was non life threatening conditions conditions and um, yeah I mean it just it's a very scary thought and it, it could have been very eerie if if he had passed and it's it, this this might be the worst like this is about this was about as bad as the Austin Dillon wreck in July of 2015. Seeing that race, that was just that was just really bad. Just and that was like mass carnage with all the cars getting destroyed and all that, and everybody spinning everywhere. And even the second, even getting hit a second time, Dillon getting hit by Keselowski when Keselowski ran into some oil or something and just tried to avoid try to avoid the wrecks and all that and just ugh scary thing to think about and like destroyed a good part of the catch fence which there hadn't been really something that big of a wreck at that time since 2009 with um, Carl Edwards hitting into the catch fence at Talladega at the end of the 09 race and actually he hit Newman's car hit the front of Newman's car when he went into the catch fence just these cars at these super speedways, it's like, there was a reason why they had the restrictor plates for that long. And I think last year might have been the first that they uh, 
got rid of the restrictor plates. If not, it was this year that they got rid of it. And maybe just the way the cars are designed now these days are so that they don't fly into the air due to being light as a feather with all that air and just all the just the aerodynamics of the car and just maybe we reach that point where there's not really a need for restrictor plates but maybe there might be a push to to have restrictor plates again down the road I don't know but when it's all said and done I mean it's good that Newman survived and you know what I don't know when he'll race next. I'm not sure if he raced at any point in the last week or so, but he'll get he'll get back to being to what he to what he is, a NASCAR driver and just find his ways to sneak sneak in and get win and get a win for for whatever team he's involved with. This time with Roush Racing. And I'll end the episode with a couple video game related stuff and beginning with with some limited run games they are a small company that does re-releases of games in disc format but in limited quantities so any game mainly it's digital games on like the Playstation 4 and the Nintendo Switch and one thing they did they made a deal with uh, LucasArts you know the, the guys that the company has done all the Star Wars stuff and a lot of other games as well. Um, re-releases of Sega CD games that they made, which is uh, The Secret of Monkey Island, which was like a very early release for the Sega CD, and Rebel Star Wars Rebel Assault, which came out a year later after like Monkey Island on that system. It's nice to see the Sega CD get a little bit of love because there are there are good games on there. I think people just don't look hard enough for them. And in the last couple of years, there's been Night Trap and Double Switch, both of which were on the Sega CD initially and then made on to other systems in the 90s, such as the 3DO. But in recent memory, it's they've been re-released for every system, every all three modern systems and the... Uh, and computer. Just the fact that these are these were originally Sega CD games says a lot. Although you're going to get much better picture and better cleaner stuff than what you expect out of a regular Sega CD release. And with those two, Sonic CD and uh, two or th- the with the LucasArts stuff, it's it actually going going to do the original release on Sega CD. I mean, that's that's nice. And it could bring in a wave of people that might be interested in the system. Although, emulation might be a, might be a option that people will be forced to go to as the Sega CD hardware is not exactly the most reliable on the planet. Like, imagine a re-release of something like, say... I don't know, like Earthworm Jim or Snatcher or hell, maybe even like Echo the Dolphin or something. Like, it would draw interest a little bit. Or maybe doing like some of these releases for like the, uh, it just makes you wish that 
even like the Sega based stuff, you know, Sega could release some of this stuff on computers or, you know, or a compilation of some of their big PC releases and stuff. I'd kill to see like a modern release of uh, Sonic and Knuckles collection and have the stuff in the PC game that made it so good. That's just my thoughts, but it's nice to see a little respect given to the uh, Sega CD when, when that's all said and done. Um, the last thing I'll go into a little bit is the uh, more of the PS5 and uh, Xbox Series X. Still no official word on what's going on with the PS5, but I figured we would have gotten something by then. You you would think, you know. But it, there hasn't, and I believe, I believe Xbox has said a few things, so I don't know, but will it be worth the huge upgrade compared to what we've seen with like the Xbox One X and all that stuff? And it's it's gonna be interesting to see when we hear about pricing and all that because I believe we will see the systems at five hundred dollars. I think there will be at least $500 for for both systems. I don't think it's that prohibitive, but 400 would be a good spot too. Anywhere between 400 and 500 Hearing stuff like backwards compatibility, and that's not really anything that intrigues me because Xbox emulations, eh, I've seen... It's not really that good, and it doesn't cover a lot of big title... Well, it doesn't cover a good majority of the 360 library, or even the original Xbox library. Like, even... And even within those titles for the original Xbox, uh, there are there are issues, you know, there could be audio glitches, some stuff that freezes up, it just... there was There's never been good backwards compatibility with with any Xbox system. Although I hear some good things with 360 games being played on the one. So maybe I'm maybe I might be a little wrong. I'll have to try that out at some point. But regardless, um I don't think the backwards compatibility is um is a big deal. I think just getting I think just getting games and getting people to a reason to buy into the Xbox Series X. Because at least with Sony, you're getting stuff like MLB The Show and and Uncharted, probably like an, a Last of Us game and a few other exclusives that will make people want to get into the machine. But it's, it's, it's all a wait and see. I mean, hopefully we hear more down the road. I really hope. And with that, I will end this episode. This has been Geeks and Jocks, episode 30. I am Ryan Sullivan, and hope to hear you listeners on the next podcast.